Hey, it's time to start your engines. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number. Always there, always working. 855-560-9900. Give us a call. Let's talk about your car and its problem, whatever that might be. More information about this radio show at cardoctorshow.com, and you'll find all the links for podcasting, etc., 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 all right there. Busy week in the shop. It was a bunch of long-term projects. I can almost see the back of the front fence the back of the front fence. Well, I can see the front of the front fence, but on the back side. I can almost see, we're getting rid of a lot of cars this week. Let me put it to you that way. It's um, We've really kind of starting to catch up, and I'm down to the last two projects. The 86 Ford wagon, the full-size LTD wagon, or whatever it was in 86, that was towed in, no crank, no start, no dash lights. Some animals ate my wiring harness. Oops. And we'll be getting to that in the next couple of weeks and see what that's all about. And the seven month, it's only been there, let's see, January it came. I figured with football season coming around, I know the guy wants to take it to the Jets games, um, uh, which he does, actually. That's a true story. Uh, him and his dad used to go to the Jets games, and he inherited the car from his father a couple of years ago after the father passed. I figured, well, then again, maybe he doesn't want to go see the Jets games. I was just thinking about that. I was reading the article about... Um, the Jets are predicting a winning season because they might show up at the stadium. But um, uh, in all seriousness, I'm still I'm getting to this Chrysler. It's slowly coming around. You talk about a car, right? How can my car go bad from sitting? Here's a car that sat for how long did it sit? Well, Ron, it probably sat a couple of months, a year, maybe two years. You know, we're not really quite sure. We just haven't driven it in a very long time. The big problem with this particular Chrysler is, and this is what happens when cars sit, is right now, among all the other things it needs, tires and brakes and fluids and so forth, is the right rear wheel speed sensor has no signal output. And they do this in a very strange way. They do this with a mag- a magnet clamped to the outside band, and it's looking at the polarity uh, as far as to generate a wheel speed signal. And the sensor is reactive to it, and that's what creates a a, a, a signal for wheel speed um, based on um, you know magnetism and polarity and which way it's flowing. I think the magnet went bad. I really do. I can't prove it. I can't prove it yet, but I'm working towards that. And to get the axle out of the rusted, gnarled up, corroded, calcified, beat up lower right rear control arm and sub-assemblies is a project, so I'm trying to get scientific and work my way around it. Um, I purchased, uh, we went out and we found some instructions to test Teve's brake systems, and it incorporates an LED, a 9-volt battery, and uh, some resistors, and we're going to wire it up. We're going to make our own tool. I bought the parts on Amazon last week, and I'm going to solder it up Monday morning and go out and start testing and look for the LED light to blink and see what goes on. But the point of this conversation is the older cars are getting tougher to fix, it seems, because they're having stranger things go wrong with them. Had a 99 Mercury Grand Marquis in the shop this week, uh, actually for the last two weeks. And it was, uh, I don't know, four tires, $5,600 worth of restore my 99 Grand Marquis. I want to drive this car for a while yet. Okay. Um but it still comes down to the quality of parts and, and what's not there and how hard it is to find parts. And when we were all done with this Grand Marquis and ready to go, the front end was a little squirrely. And we had done ball joints. The ball joints were worn out. and There was a bunch of other things. And it had been a little squirrely before, but now it was really ugly. And my theory is 
that the newer ball joints are nice and tight and you know, it takes a while for ball joints and front end pieces to settle in. You need to put 150, 200, maybe 500 miles on them sometimes to get things to loosen up and, and, and stretch and sort of take a seat on certain older cars. But the problem with this one is the steering box. The steering box isn't what it should have been. And, you know, 99 wasn't exactly a little bit ago, and you need to go and find a steering box. And a lot of the aftermarket rebuilders, in my opinion, just aren't, they're just not great. And I don't know if it's that they don't have the cores, they don't have the rebuildable parts. To, how many times can you rebuild a steering box for a 99 Crown Vic? I mean, it's some of the hard parts, not the shims, not the seals, not the soft pliable things. You know, those can be replaced, but but the hard parts themselves, the spool and the sector and all the internal metal parts, how many times can you rebuild those things? They do get aware to them. They do get to the point where, you know, they're they're, they're just worn out. So it's got this issue where you go down the road and if you just sit there and you're you kind of like mind melt it, you can feel the steering wheel when you turn to the left. It's a little lighter to the left than it is to the right. It's a little tick, tick, just a little just just a touch. So, you know, what are we going to do with this? We've got to give this guy back his car. He understands. He's a very understanding customer. He gets it. Um, you know, he just, he just do the best you can. It's always do the best you can. And I really, I really appreciate that in somebody. I really do because it's very difficult today in some cars and some applications. Turns out, I said, you know, let's go back to basics. Let's throw the numbers away for the alignment. What if we take some caster out? Caster is steering axis inclination or steering angle. And it, it, it basically, if you think of the center line of a, of a bicycle wheel, as you turn the bicycle wheel as that center line where the axle stud is or where the axle, where the nuts are that hold the wheel to the frame, as that changes in relation to its position in the air, you're, you're changing steering angle, you know, as the fork changes as it, as it rotates left and right. So I took some caster out of the car. I, I, I put it back to zero. It was well over four degrees, and I put it back to zero just to see what it was. You know, it wasn't perfect but it got to be a lot better. And that's the point of this opening conversation, that sometimes you're faced with some trade-offs repairing older cars. Sometimes it has to be, you know, I, I can't get a part. What am I going to do to, you know, how, how do I got to fix this? Um, you know, it's it's an imperfect world that we live in when it comes to automobiles, and they're, they're very difficult to get along with sometimes. It's like your relatives at the holidays. You just don't want to, you know, deal with it. But you've got to you've got to face up to it. You've got to fix the car in front of you. And you can't get aggravated about it. Danny was doing a throttle body cleaning the other day on a on a Ford Mustang. And we use snakeheads to clean throttle bodies. And they're like these little pink poofy cotton balls on the end of a plastic stick that's designed just to do this job. Well, I I guess and, and the nice thing is with a with a snakehead from the folks at and run right is you can actually sit there and you can go way down the throat. It's like a giant Q-tip. Stick up, stick up in your mouth and say, ah, and you can ram this Q-tip down the throat of the intake, and you can get out a lot of contaminant, all right? You can really clean the thing out. So Danny's scrubbing away and scrubbing away and scrubbing away, and he pulls the tampon out, the, uh, the, the Q-tip out, and there's no, there's no cotton ball on the end of it. It's in the motor. Like, uh-oh. So, like, now where do we go? How do we get this out? What do we do with this? And it was kind of funny because 
Danny's friend Adam had stopped by, and Adam works in a repair shop. He's sort of like the shop puppy over there. He's the he's the he's the uh, the, the the gopher, the guy Friday, and he just watched us, you know, work our way around it and sneak something down there and pull it out and, you know, and Adam looked at Danny after we were all done. I heard him saying, "How come your boss didn't yell and get aggravated?" And I, and I turned around and I said, "Adam, I can hear you. I'm not that old, you know." Um, the, the truth is, Adam, getting mad about trying to fix a car that's a problem doesn't solve anything. you still got to fix the broken car in front of you. And that's really what it's all about. And I looked at him and I said, you know, fixing cars is a lot like life. you got to deal with the problems that come along. And sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. But as long as you learn from each and every one, then you're ahead of the curve. As long as more people swear by you than at you, you're winning every day. 855-560-9900. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor cruising back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. 855-560-9900 is the phone number. Give us a call. Leave a message. If we're not here, Motorhead Matt will call you back. And uh, interesting to see how people are testing Motorhead Matt's extensive knowledge, extensive knowledge of the automobile. It was very heartwarming to see the next up-and-coming protege to the Car Doctor, Motorhead Matt. Give him a call. You can talk to him and find out how much he really knows. That'll be a short conversation. Let's go over and talk to Chris in Ohio, 2001 Volkswagen Cabrio, and uh, some problems. Well, a used car. Chris, what did you buy here? Uh, I bought a 2001 Cabrio. Um, I looked up on the Kelly Blue Book value. It's a 3700 if it's working right. Right. Um, what would you pay for this? Uh, 450 bucks. Okay, so you got what you paid for. No, that's right. <laughs> um, so what, what does this do or not do? Well, when I went down there to get it, um, I asked him, I said, does it drive okay? He said, yeah, it drives fine. I drove it on the highway. Well, I live close to Dayton, Ohio. Picked it up in Cincinnati, Ohio. So I went from Cincinnati to Dayton going about 55 on the highway at 3,000 RPMs because it wouldn't shift gears. Okay. Do you think <laughs> Do you think it was first gear or third gear? Uh, it, I'm thinking it was third. It, it, it's real slow to take off. Right. Yeah. It's 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 kind of like when you got your ten speed. See, I'm dating myself. It's kind of like when you got your ten speed and you start out in fifth gear and that middle gear, right? Um, yep. in, my, in my day, bicycles only had ten speeds. You guys, it's now you know twenty speed, thirty speed. You know, rocket ship, rocket propulsion on the back of your bike. Um, you know, so I'm surprised nobody's invented a flying bicycle yet. Um, so, any dashboard warning lights on? No, um, we ran. We my dad has uh, code readers of all sorts, okay. and it, it threw up a transmission code. Something about a short circuit solenoid B. Okay, does it does it does it sound like P zero seven fifty three seven fifty eight shift solenoid B shift yes. solenoid C yes yes, yes. Uh, shift solenoid D and all that. Yep. Okie dokie. So the deal here is this could be. A wiring harness issue leading up to and inclusive of inside the transmission in the valve body area. This could be shift solenoids. This could be the trans. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some real intense diagnosis has to be made here. Um, the internal solenoids in the trans do go bad. Does the alternator happen to look new or newer by chance? Um. I I haven't looked at it. And the re, the re, well the reason I ask that is because believe it or not quite often the alternator goes bad on this particular model. It it causes an overcharging condition and it pops the solenoids in the trans. Hmm. So at least it gives you a you know it doesn't solve your immediate problem but it just gives you a little bit of history of how you got here. How many miles yeah. are on the car? 
That's the questionable part. Um, well, I, the, thought this, I thought this was all questionable, kiddo. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, on the title, he told me to put, he thought that I had 177,000 miles. So that's what I put on the title. But I looked up on, uh, like, the past titles that the vehicles had, and it said 145, and then the dash says 124. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> So it's interesting. <laughs> l- l- let me let me ask you this: Are, are, are you are you, did you buy this because you're trying to make it reliable? Is this going to be? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, it's going to be. I have a my other car is 2005 Acura TL. I've actually called you guys about that in the past, and I missed your guys' phone call. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, is this going to yeah, be like? I'm, is this going to be like the winter car when you want to keep the Acura away? Uh, it's going to be my commuter car. Right now, I got the. TL up to 201,000 miles. Right. So I'm trying to cut down the miles on it and uh, do something that's going to be, I don't really care if it breaks down, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> you just take the plates off and walk away. Um, yeah. <laughs> you've, and you've got the car. Look, you, plates in hand. You're already done. Um, yeah, I, I know. I knew it would need work when I got it. I just, I'm trying to debate because I've talked to people about it who know Volkswagens and they say that the automatic transmission is garbage. You should do a swap on it. And I don't know what all that entails. I would tell you if you I would tell I would tell it to you like this. All things considered being equal, chances are the en- the engines in those are generally fairly strong. All right? Oh yeah, the engine runs like a top. Right. Now which engine is this? Is this a is this a one eight, a two oh? It's a two oh. It's a two oh. If this is is this a belt motor? I believe so. Yeah, make sure and I wouldn't trust anybody's, but I would definitely, you know, before when you get this back on the road or get it on the road. You know, you want to do a timing belt and a water pump and all the usual good mm-hmm. stuff there just because you don't want to take anybody's word for it. Um, also, also sure. keep in mind this is probably a plastic impeller water pump car, so you want to make sure you, uh, you know, you replace that when you do the uh, belt as well so you don't have any overheat issues. The, the plus about a Volkswagen is that the engines are, are, are really a really great example of German engineering. They really are well made. All right. Uh, you know, we've, we've pulled the heads on those at 100,000 miles for various reasons, and you'll still see the crosshatch in the cylinder walls. You know, there's there's negligible wear in the cylinders. They look great, all right? So the engine, provided it hasn't been really abused, will probably last a long time, okay? No promises, but you're, you're, you're probably in good shape. The question you've got to decide is, do you want to put a trans in this? Because at a hundred and I don't know, twenty four, sixty six, seventy seven thousand miles hike, right? Uh, you know, do you, you know, toss a coin. It's you know, what do you want to do? You know, is it is it? It's it's easily three to five grand to put a trans in one of those. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, are you going to put ten times what you paid for the car into the car, or yeah. or, or do you want to make it fun? So, do you want to find a loaner car? Or a donor car, rather. That's you know, what I was thinking. You know, something something with a stick and marry the two together. That's what I was thinking. And, I've seen a couple uh, five and six speed Jettas that are the same year go up um, around me for about eight hundred, twelve hundred bucks. Right. I just did. I just don't know what's swappable or where I can go to see what what is conversion uh, ready. Well, to I find th- that information. I, I think when you're trying to do a conversion, since you've got an O one Cabrio. You probably want to try and find another O one Cabrio. It's right. gonna, it's it's going to make life easier. All right. You know the other side of this becomes it's only you're only into this four hundred and fifty dollars worth. Yeah. So you're not going to take that much of a beating. All right. 
you know, I would I would consider your next move very careful. You know, it, it, you could go out and prove, and I could surely send you some tests regarding, you know, resistance values on the solenoids, but I think all it's going to prove is that you either need a solenoid, a wiring harness, or a trans, and in, in which case you're going to end up putting either a stick in it or just replacing the car because how can you put such big money into a car that you've got exactly. such bad service history? You know, uh, cars are like real estate. Your first loss is your best loss. And some, <laughs> some, sometimes you want to cut your losses, brother, and just and, and just sort of move on. Um, so you know, Fair let's enough. let's let's say it like that. I say either go find another O one Cabrio, uh, a stick car or something similar, not a Jetta. Stay in the same body style, and then you've got things to move back and forth, or just get out of this altogether. I'll leave you with this last comment, Chris. Do you know what VW stands for? I do not. Virtually worthless. Remember that as you go through this endeavor. All right, it. Um, it's um it's going to make you a whole new uh, perspective on looking at these cars. I wish you well, kiddo. If you need more information, you know where to find me. I'm Ron Anini in the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. We're back right after this. Hey, welcome back. Ron Anini in the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900 is the Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number. Also, uh, cardoctorshow.com. Don't forget to get out to the Facebook page. i got to get out to the Facebook page this week. I didn't have a chance. Um, I haven't posted much this week, and I apologize. It's just been a, it was a very busy week. I was at the shop uh, 8 p.m. last night on a Friday night just, uh, try, well, cleaning up. And Carpenter Bob was actually sweeping the floor, and, and just we were just, everybody was there. We were going crazy just trying to clean the place up. It was just a very busy, busy week. So um, I apologize for not getting anything up on Facebook. Let's go over and talk to Susie in Wisconsin, 2009 Toyota Venza. Hi, Susie. How are you? Welcome to the car, doctor. How can I help? Hey, I'm great. A couple of questions. Sure. I'm, I'm really not having any problems, but okay. I, I told your call screener I've never driven a car that has 100,000 miles on it, and I, I know these cars can go longer. I just, I'm, I've got to put some money into this car because it needs the 100,000 mile, you know, checkup, which is a thousand dollars. Right. I'm going to need new tires before we get snow. Probably got muffler coming, so I'm looking at three grand, probably in the next couple of months putting okay. into this car and i'm just wondering what you know where's that cutoff point where you look at a new car where you still have some trade-in value and and i i like the car it's been a great car you know so i think cars are a lifestyle to be very honest with you and i think it's a matter of you know dollars and cents you know s-e-n-s-e and what makes sense and in terms of what you can afford, I think I think all that has to be considered. If if and it also depends on where you go and how you're driving. If if Susie's a, a, an emergency room nurse working overnights and she's getting out of work at two in the morning, I always think about that in terms of telling somebody to stay in a car longer because funny things happen at two o'clock in the morning on dark roads on winter nights, and you want somebody safe. Cars are very important to me in that sense. You know, I always believe that when I'm working on somebody's car, it's got to be as safe as if my mom or my wife or my kids, you know, are riding in that. So that being said, 100,000 miles really is half-life on a lot of cars today. It, it really is. It really depends okay. on what sort of maintenance and how good and how correct the maintenance has been done up to this point. Here's that conversation about oil change intervals. This It always seems to start here. And I'm trying. I'm not trying to incur anybody's wrath, but I'm going to tell you my personal experience and things that I hear when I go to seminars and I listen to other techs and other dealerships and other manufacturers. We'll talk about Toyota. Uh, 
I have a very good friend who's a service manager of a local Toyota dealership. We go to lunch, or I'm sorry, dinner, two, three, four times a year whenever our schedules allow. As a matter of fact, I'm due to go to uh, dinner with Tony in September sometime. And this conversation will probably come up again. And the conversation we had the last time was his words. He brought it up. He said, you know, we made a mistake when we extended the oil change interval out to seven to 10,000 miles on these cars. And I said, how come? And he said, well, because, you know, they're good for the first 60, 70,000 miles. But then you can see that as they get older and the oil tends to get more beat up. And it gets it gets you know it gets a little bit stretched thin towards the end of the life. People get used to seven thousand mile intervals, and then they go to eight, then they go to nine, then they go to ten, then they go to eleven. And you can see these engines now are starting to have oil consumption issues. The rig the rings are sticking. They've got a lot of you know they've made internal changes to the engine for better fuel economy, and some of those changes are coming back to bite Toyota. You know, it's 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 think of in terms of a ring slipping on and off your finger easily or slipping on and off your finger hard. Um, you know, it's got to float like it slips on and off your finger easily, but the oil gets gummy and it tends to stick like that ring on your finger and you have to put a little, you know, uh, butter on it to get it to slide off type of a problem. And, and, and that gumminess tends to affect how the engine works and whether or not it burns oil. You know, have you been doing oil changes on this? Probably yeah, every five thousand miles. Every five thousand, and see, and and to me, yep. that's going to come back to be your savior at this point because here you are at a hundred thousand miles, and whatever you spent extra on oil changes is now going to promote the life of this car. So, for the thousand dollars, what is it that they want to do at this mileage for a thousand dollars? You know, well, it's. You know, it's like $360 to change spark plugs, okay. um, transmission fluid, and a couple other, you know, fluids, that differential fluid maybe. Right. And so that was the second part of my question is, you know, it, there's no warranty on it. It Can I, is it this the time maybe to take it to a, a good local shop instead of the dealer? Or is, you know, this car better at the dealership because that's, all they do is, you know, these engines. You know what? You know what the you know my you know what the real honest answer is, Susie. There's there's idiots in all kinds of repair shops, all right. Yeah. There's 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 incompetence. Yeah. There's incompetence everywhere, all right. You know, uh, sometimes I think I'm not really that good of a mechanic. I just try like heck every day, like so many other people out there, and I I put my best foot forward. But there are so many people out there that just don't care. And, you know, there's there's thievery and deception in all trades and practices. I've been in this business most of my life, and I've seen it all. So I, I think it's about the relationship, all right? I think that if you have okay. a good relationship with that Toyota dealership, that if you call up there and you've had the same service writer for the past couple of years and they know, hey, it's Susie with the Venza, you know, and they've got your back, I think that's where you stay. I don't think I don't think you change over price. I think you change over, you know, discomfort. I don't think it's about how cheap the car is repaired. I think it's about how thorough and how correct. And, you know, to me... Yeah, take, and, and I really, I, I don't have the warm fuzzies, so it, uh, I think it might be time for me to actually right. change. Uh, you know, I think, it, and the warm fuzzies are exactly what you're looking for. All right? You, you know, uh, it's, it's funny. I, I started texting in the shop, I'll tell you the story this way. We we now do a texting thing. We we I, I added on a program to the shop software management, 
and I can text. I can actually tell you, hey, Susie, your car is ready for pickup. Hey, Susie, your car needs this. Hey, Susie, your car needs that. And when the guys were selling me the package, they make this big, long, drawn-out presentation, and this way you can convince your customers, and, you know, there'll be no doubt in their mind, and, you know, you can send them pictures, and you can do this. Guys, I don't have that problem. Well, how can you not have that problem? Well, because I, I, I honest to God, I really try to give every customer a warm fuzzy. All right. I, I, I don't want to work for people that I don't have a relationship with. And that's just the way I am. You know, that's that's half the fun of, of, of fixing cars in that, you know, you can you can work on the car and you can solve the problem and you can put a smile on somebody's face. I always say, you know, you need there, there's there's three or four important people in your life. One of them is a, is a, is a lawyer. The other is a doctor. And, and the third one is, is, is usually a mechanic or, a, or, or somebody that, you know, work with their hands that can fix things around the house, that type of a thing. You need those kind of relationships to survive in the world today. And you've got to have a mechanic that you can have a cup of coffee conversation with, that you can walk in and say, hey, here's my car at 100,000 miles. What do you reasonably think it needs? What's it going to cost? I just want to get some idea of a budget. What do I need to do today? What do I need to do tomorrow? What can I expect, you know, a year from now? And no crystal ball, no guarantees. Just give me your best educated guess based on your time in the business. My last comment to you, Suze, is going to be, let's say you spend this $3,000 on the car, all right? And yep. four months from now, for whatever reason, the trans pops. And it's four grand to put a trans in the car. What would you do? I don't know. At that point, I'd probably spend the extra four, you know, hoping right. I'd get another 50000 out of it. Right, and chances are you would, all right? The, the easiest way to decide about replacing a car, in my opinion, is to go out shopping for a new one. It will cure you of everything that ails you. Either that or it will make you say, you know what? <laughs> I can really afford that. You know, it's it's forty thousand it's forty thousand dollars and seventy two monthly payments. I can really afford this. You know, I've only got to put ten thousand down and then I've got, you know, seventy two or sixty months worth of payments and I can afford that because where'd this conversation start? I said cars are a lifestyle, right? And it's it's yep. it's it's a comfort thing, you know? But you've still got to have that relationship with the mechanic because sooner or later, listen, the reason I never go to the auto show in New York, and it's 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 a half hour from me. I never go to the, the auto show at Javits. People say, why not? I say, because I go in there, everybody gets all excited. Here's all the new, best, shiny, old oh boy, isn't this neat? You know what I look at? Yep, five years. That'll be broken. That'll be broken. That'll be broken. It's it's all the same stuff. There's nothing there that's new and exciting. They haven't reinvented. They're just trying to reinvent the same thing they've had for the past 25, 30 years. Um, I look at everything as sooner or later it's got to break. And, and, and to me, you've got to have that relationship with somebody to fix it when it does. All right? Susie, I wish you the best. I hope that uh, I hope that helps you. I hope that does it for you. If you need more, shoot me an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com, and I'll try to answer your questions as best I can. 855-560-9900. Ron and Annie, the car doctor, coming back right after this. Hey, welcome back. Ron and Annie, the car doctor, taking the, uh, I don't know, is this the morning train? This is the car doctor train. This is a zoop, and off we go at 855-560-9900. You know, I hate to bring this up again because this this subject is kind of, we haven't really talked about this in a while. Somebody sent me a great article. Um, uh, the future is in the air. It's a car, it's a plane, it's both at EAA Air Venture out in Oshkosh. I thought Oshkosh was those kids' coveralls that they made for the, you know, Oshkosh Oshkosh, bagosh. 
Oshkosh, it's not the Jetsons, but someday, perhaps sooner rather than later, flying cars will be as common as both cars and planes. Commuters stuck in rush hour traffic always think, if only I had a plane, I could be there by now. Well, yeah, provided you could fly, um, provided, you know, and then all the, you know, other questions. The article goes on, plenty of pilots fogged them by bad weather, wish they could just drive their plane where they need to go. So you see, this is going to be the grass is not always greener on the other side. I can see it coming. It's not surprising that companies and entrepreneurs have tried to invent a commercially viable flying car for decades. Still few vehicles, the article goes on to say, are actually flying and driving today and running rolling off an assembly line anywhere. But at EAA Air Venture, where engineers and dreamers come to show off their ideas, a few prototypes are on display as an initiative by ride-sharing company Uber to move people around by air instead of car. See, I think Uber is the key to this. You've got to have deep pockets to pull off something like this. And I think what these inventors are doing up there is trying to convince Uber what they're exactly capable of. One fella here... Um, Sanja Dahl, if I'm saying that right, founder of Detroit Flying Cars, has created a car where the he's patented technology that telescope, telescope, turn, and lock the wings that compress into the front and back of the two-seat vehicle when it's on the road. He hasn't come up with a price because he's still testing the vehicle, which will feature an electric engine for driving. Here's the answer to that question we had, folks, about, you know, will it run on octane fuel and so forth. But it will feature an electric engine for driving and an aviation engine for flying, with a flight cruising speed of 125 miles an hour and a range of 400 miles. Sam Bosfield, B-O-U-S-F-I-E-L-D, Bosfield, CEO of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania-based Samson Motors, this week talked up his car-plane hybrid, better known as a switchblade, because the wings fold underneath the vehicle like a knife. I guess the big problem here is what do you do with the wings? You know, and think about it. You've got to make a car that flies. You've got to have a place to store the wings. The wings have to come out, and they can't fall off, obviously, when you're in the air because then that would be a problem. Um, He's come up with what he's claimed is the world's first flying sports car. But the real issue is, to me, it's going to be cost in dollars and safety. And Uber goes on, and the article discusses the fact that, you know, we all want to be in flying cars, but we've got to have the area and the wherewithal to take off. You know, we've got to have the ability. Where's the runway going to be? What are we going to do? We're going to be on Route 208 North and... In, in Bergen County, New Jersey, and we're just going to get to the straight part. And, you know, it's, uh, I, I mean, how bad would you freak out if you're on a long stretch of flat road and the car in front of you, the wings pop out and boing, off it goes? I mean, that's got to be the craziest thing in the world. And then are we going to do this at night? Are we going to land at night? A night landing? I just don't see it. You know, Uncle Steve said, a plane is only as good as the pilot flying it, right? And he would always talk about how you've got to get into an airplane and try this the next time you're flying. When you get into the airplane, you know how everybody's standing in front of you and they're greeting you when you walk on and you see the, 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 the flight attendants and, and you see the captain? Talk to the captain a minute. I, I, I ask everybody to do this. Talk to the captain. We did this when we went to Vegas a couple of years ago, and it drove everybody nuts. We always got up to the captain. I'd say, we talk about the flight and this and that. And I'd say, who's the best pilot you know? And he says, I am. And that's the catch. You've got to think you're the best pilot up there. Uh, You know, I've got people that come into the shop all day long, and they go, you know, I hate cars. I'm really not a great driver. And now we're going to let them fly? You know, what's that all about? Are you a great pilot? No, I'm a a terrible driver, but I'm a better pilot because there's less things that hit in the air. Yeah, sure, till it lands on my head. Anyway, 
we'll see where that goes. But I just wanted to let you know that EAA Venture out in Oshkosh, that really is, um, it's, it's really going to happen. Flying cars, here we go again. 855-560-9900. I'm going to pull over and take a pause, but I'm doing this on the ground. I'm Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. Hey, Ron and Andy the Car Doctor, rolling along here at 855-560-9900. A, a quick comment about scan tools. I was speaking to the Mac Tool guy this week, and we were talking. He's repping another line of scan tools. I don't know, something made in Italy. It works on Maseratis, Ferraris, all the high-end sports cars, all the all the you know all the exotics. And they were thinking of getting into the U.S. market, and you know, starting to work on Ford and Chrysler and GM and so forth. And I told Greg, I said, you know, you've got to understand the scan tool market. I think it's it's limited at this point in the game. I really think that there's less for there's less shops buying. There's less shops out there, all right? I think the number of repair shops is declining, but I also think that by now most repair shops, you know, this is like um back in the 50s and the 60s, GM figured if they got people locked into their cars, they would work their way up the line and eventually own a Cadillac, but they stayed with the GM brand. I think the Snap-on guys are staying with Snap-on. The Launch guys are staying with Launch. The OTC guys are staying with OTC. You know, I, I think it's really hard to make market penetration. It will be interesting to see where in the next couple of years, with all the changes in technology, what company can afford to develop a better scan tool and actually put it into the hands of a technician at a price that allows both the shop and the company selling it make a profit. I'm watching Scan Tools. Let's see where it goes. Till the next time, I'm Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor reminding you, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.